This podcast is sponsored by 10 of those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by 10 They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite 10 to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, etc. And they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about being Baptists in the 21st century. My name is Jed Coppinger, one of the Baptist 21 leader team members, and uh, very thankful to have one of the SBC presidential candidates with us today, Dr. Robin Hadaway. Dr. Hadaway, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you very much. One of the things that uh, we've been doing with the other presidential candidates is starting out talking a little bit about uh, their biography, letting people, listeners, know about uh, who they are, uh, a little bit of their history, and some lighthearted questions before we hop into the SBC uh, questions. Could you talk a little bit about how you came to the Lord, uh, ministry, training experience, and uh, where you are now? So I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, second grade through high school. And my parents and our family, we were not Christians. In fact, we were going to the Christian Science Church when I was 12 years old. uh, My youngest brother was born Down syndrome. And uh, Christian science says there's no such thing as sin, sickness, disease, or disabilities. And it was obvious my brother had one, and so that didn't fit. And so the uh, insurance agent that was helping my parents with their house and car insurance witnessed to them. The pastor of First Baptist Church, Tallahassee, C.A. Roberts, came over and led my parents to Christ. So when I was 12 years old, we went from the Christian Science Church to the Baptist Church, which was a big shock. I was the oldest, and although I went to training union, Sunday school, youth choir, uh, Sunday morning service, Wednesday night service, everything, I decided I didn't believe any of it. It wasn't until I got to the University of Memphis, uh, Memphis State at the time, that someone witnessed to me and uh, didn't take too long, but I I came to faith in Christ uh, when I was 21. Um, I went into the U.S. Air Force uh, and served four years. I was an officer. I flew a little bit, and then after I got injured in an accident, I switched to air traffic control and was stationed in King Salmon, Alaska. Las Vegas, Nevada. God called me to preach in Alaska. So I resigned my commission after I attained the rank of captain 
and went to seminary. None of our Southern Baptist seminaries were conservative at the time, so I went to Dallas Seminary for two years, then transferred to Southwestern. Um, after graduating from seminary, I wanted to get a church in the Pioneer area. My wife was from Phoenix. My parents had moved to Los Angeles, and so we uh, found a church in Southern California, Monterey Park. Mm-hmm. Pastored there four years, uh, and then God called us to the mission field. We spent 18 years in Tanzania, Kenya, uh, North Africa, and Eastern South America. Kind of for two years, I also pastored in Phoenix, Arizona. We came back for a short time because we also have a disabled child who's disabled in a different way. And uh, that kept us home for a few years, but I did pastor a church in Phoenix. So I have a pastoral experience as a senior pastor. The second church had over uh, 400 in uh, Sunday school when I was there. and. After our 18 years overseas, though, um, we came back to teach missions at Midwestern Seminary. While I was with the IMB, I was in the IMB um, senior administration. I was one of the regional directors and supervised 300 missionaries in Brazil, Uruguay, and Paraguay. While I was at Midwestern for 18 years, I also served as the interim president, interim CFO, and uh, as the dean of students, in addition to teaching all my missions classes, I was the residential missions professor. One year ago, my wife and I uh, retired from residential teaching and moved back to California to Oceanside in North San Diego County. We we're members of New Song Community Church, a Southern Baptist congregation, and I teach online still for Midwestern as a senior professor. Of mission. So you've got the shortest uh, drive to the SBC, huh? Yeah, we have, it's about uh, 65, 70 miles up to Anaheim. So it's pretty close for us. Yeah. But I, w- I would also say we have three children. We have um, two daughters and a son. They're, of course, all grown. That's great. And did I see that uh, here in the last couple of years, you had a couple of books come out, a survey of world missions and the Muslim majority folk Islam and the 70 percent? Yes. And both of those are by B&H. Uh, one came out, the first one, the survey of world missions in 2020. And then the following year, 2021, um, the book on Islam. That's great. Well, before we hop into some of these questions, one of the things uh, that we've been doing with the other candidates is kind of a, uh, what we're calling a family feud route, uh, round. I don't know if you remember that show, but just kind of a fun, lighthearted, uh, uh, quick answer, whatever comes to mind kind of question, not too serious uh, uh, series of questions. The first one is favorite book of yours that's not the Bible. So I would say War and Peace by Tolstoy. Okay. All right. Favorite sports team? Los Angeles Dodgers. I started following them when they were still in Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. Well, then favorite athlete of all time would be? Um, I would say Jim Thorpe. Okay. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Who's the greatest basketball player ever? Yeah, Jordan for sure. There you go. I know you knew what you're talking about. All right. So if you have to pick one of the following, um, 
which would you pick? If it was left up to a free throw shooting contest, a Southern Baptist Convention trivia contest, a golf outing, or an arm wrestling contest, uh, I would prevail or you would prevail as SBC president in which one of those categories against the other candidates? Well, considering the SBC presidents that I know, I know they don't golf very well. I think I'd prevail in golf. <laughs> That's great. Do you remember the uh, text from your first sermon preached uh, on a Sunday morning? I don't. <laughs> I have to say I don't. <laughs> and I bet the, those of us who do wish we could were, we, we wish we could forget. Uh, shifting gears to uh, to the SBC, uh, do you know who's nominating you um, and and why you're allowing? your name to be nominated for the SBC president? Yes, Emeritus Missionary and Evangelist Wade Akins is my nominee. Uh, well, I'm his nominee. Uh, Wade is a, be a messenger from Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He was my associate in Eastern South America. And um, I am allowing my name to be uh, nominated because I want Southern Baptists to remember the mission of why we're organized, why we come together. I'd like to see 500 new net churches started through the North American Mission Board, 2,000 new net churches started through the International Mission Board, and I want to see 1,000 WMU chapters uh, so that we can focus uh, Southern Baptists on remembering the mission and why we cooperate together. Also, um, as a follow-up to that, having been an IMV missionary and administrator for 18 years, having been a seminary professor for 18 years, having experience as an entity head, although that was as an interim uh, I, I think that I know the denomination. I know how the denomination works. And more importantly, I know how it doesn't work or where it's not supposed to work. And I would like to bring my wisdom and expertise and knowledge of the Southern Baptist Convention to help us through this difficult time. That's great. Well, you, you kind of touched on it there, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to expand a little bit. One of the questions we've been asking uh, the other candidates is just not uh, what makes you stand out as a candidate compared to the other two, not in a, you know, a, a weird competitive way, but just in a way to help people that are not really engaged in the discussion, kind of <clears throat> distinguish between um, the different candidates. How, how would you uh, answer that question? Yeah, so. um Two weeks ago, we had a dialogue, I guess two weeks and a day ago, at First Baptist Church, Keller, Texas, mm -hmm. and it was live with all three candidates. And one of the nice things that happened, the um, uh, Brother Sanders, the night before, had all three candidates and the wives over for dinner, and we got to fellowship together. And I got to appreciate uh, Tom, Tom and Bart as uh as people, and, and I do respect both of them, and I think either one would serve us well uh, as Southern Baptist president. Um, as, as far as what I would bring is that, of course, I did pastor as a senior pastor for six years total over two, two different SBC churches. Um, but I, I think I bring an insider's view to how the denomination 
works. I, as a cabinet member at Midwestern Seminary for five years, uh, I attended every S, uh, EC meeting, and I learned how the denomination works, and um, and just kind of um, what the SPC president can do and cannot do, really. Um, I also, I signed the checks for Midwestern Seminary for two years. I looked at every receipt, and um, I, I know how good our accountability presently is. I also um, can look back to the conservative resurgence days. I know uh, how bad Midwestern was when your dad went there and what he went through to try to change it. Mm-hmm. I know what uh, what the Criswell uh, 7 encountered when they got to Southeastern uh, and, and all that uh, Danny Aiken and others went through to correct the issues at Southeastern. And I, I know what Al Moeller had to do when he got to Southern. There were other difficulties at the other seminaries, and I can look at those days and think, thank God we're not there anymore. And I remember when the Christian Life Commission, the precursor for the ERLC, uh, openly supported abortion. And that was the official uh, position because Christian Life Commission represented Southern Baptists in Washington. That was our position until the conservatives were able to wrest that entity uh, away from the powers that be. Uh, and so I can look back and see how far we've come, and and I don't get as worried about the discourse that happens today as some, because I, I, I know how far we've come. Hmm. That's great. Um I mean, speaking to the um, just the current situation and how divided we seem, some people um, think we're more divided than we are, some maybe less than we are. And it's hard to, to understand sometimes the difference between online and offline and um, uh, a lot of different theories about that. H- how would you how do you see the current state of Southern Baptist life and how would you uh, help unite us around the Baptist faith and message 2000 for the propagation of the gospel? Well, I've only been on Twitter about four weeks, and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, it's been interesting seeing that. I think um, the the people that are not happy, uh, I believe 99% have good motivations, and they really are concerned. And I remember what it's like uh, back when the SBC was not very good to be concerned, and then people tell you, oh, don't worry about that. Everything's fine. Um, And so perhaps there are concerns people have that do need to be addressed. A friend of mine who pastors out here, pastored out here when I was here, uh, used to say there's always foxes in the vineyard. And uh, he was quoting a passage in Song of Songs, probably out of context, but um, it, it's a good illustration that there's always problems. Um, when I was in administration with Midwestern, there were issues that came up, but we dealt with them. All of our seminaries and agencies and entities, we might disagree with them, but I, I'm confident with the trustees that we have that um, 
we really have the mechanism to make sure things um, are taken care of. I'll give you an instant, uh, uh, an example. Take it, take uh, the whole issue about audits, and um, do we need audits of all the agencies? I don't think so. Uh, all of our seminaries and entities have uh, trustee committees that are charged with making sure that the procedures at their entities follow accepted account, uh, accounting procedures. I know we had that at Midwestern. Uh, we had a Jewish auditing firm that looked at all of our receipts. And so uh, to, to have another audit on top of that, I don't think is really necessary. Now, but there are some who think it is necessary. Well, the, the way to remedy that is to ask the trustees of the entities um, to maybe to reconsider. But I think a lot of people don't realize that the entities don't have to uh, follow necessarily what the executive committee tells them to do. Uh, AC can suggest. And uh, the convention can suggest, but all the convention does is elect the members of the boards of trustees, but uh, they operate independently. And I believe they are operating well. That's great. What would you say um, the, um, the biggest challenge is facing Southern Baptist right now? Uh, in your estimation, is it uh, understanding some of the things you were just talking about and how things work, or do you think it's um, just a, a lack of focus on the main things? And if so, why do you think that is? Or how would you describe the the, the main challenges facing Southern Baptist right now? Well, I believe that all the Southern, previous Southern Baptist uh, presidents have emphasized the mission. Uh, I know that, um, for instance, J.D. Greer was a, a two-plus-two missionary sent out by Keith Idle at Southeastern Seminary. Uh, I knew Ed Linton when he was a 25-year-old pastor in um, Arizona. When I was a pastor in Arizona, he came down to South America uh, to preach in Uruguay and Brazil and Paraguay uh, at my invitation. Um, I was ordained at Bellevue by Adrian Rogers, and uh, Steve Gaines has continued Bellevue's partnership uh, with my ministry. They used to do my missionary newsletter back when we had written newsletters. I don't know how people do newsletters today. And so the last three presidents have focused on missions. But I think within the SBC, the conversation has shifted to cultural issues. I'm talking about on Twitter, Facebook, um, different writings that people have, uh, have have offered, and it's shifted. And I think that's, uh, with a 24-hour news cycle, I think that's even become uh, more of a problem. There are always cultural issues. Um, in the 100 years ago, we were concerned about uh, evolution, the theory of evolution, all right? Uh, around the same time or a little bit before, it was women's suffrage. 
I remember the 1960s, we were kicking churches out of the convention because they had become charismatic. I don't see people disfellowshipping churches because of that. So there'll always be issues that Southern Baptists are, are wrestling with, and we tend to be preoccupied by them. So one of the things I would like to do is just try to return not just uh, the presidential focus to missions, because I think it's been there, but to turn our focus as Southern Baptists to remember our mission, which is sending our NAM and our IMB missionaries. The SBC only exists two days a year. The rest of the time, its work is carried on by our entities and agencies. The SBC president is someone who sits on each board of every entity and commission. And he can have some influence uh, through uh, his experience and personality and expertise uh, and, and try to help each entity. This podcast is sponsored by 10 of those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by 10 They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite 10 to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, etc. And they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the issues, you know, you talk about the cultural issues. One of the things that's that's come up uh, quite a bit uh, has been the issue of uh, CRT, critical race theory, and um, how we should think about it. And of course, there's been uh, there's been a lot said, a lot written about that. We've talked to the other presidential candidates uh, about that. So I want to put the question to you. What are your thoughts on it? And uh, do you have any uh, concerns about uh, how it's been handled in Southern Baptist life. So uh, critical race theory is a theory. Um, I was reading The Economist. They're also re-looking at the theory of relativity, which I didn't think anyone was questioning theory of relativity anymore, but evidently people are wondering how time actually works. This kind of this sounds like something your father would be interested in, something <laughs> very esoteric, you know. Uh, you also have the theory of evolution that I just mentioned. So critical race theory is just a theory. And I teach worldview, world religion, and missiology at Midwestern. And there are many non-Christian worldviews out there. Um, you would have to say Marxism, one of them. Uh, critical race theory fits into a theory that wants to look at everything through the lens of race. Uh, I have the benefit of having lived 12 years in Africa. My family attended black churches. We had African pastors, and my kids were raised where they were in the one half of 1% minority living in Africa. We were always kindly treated. 
and Africans uh, are so gentle and kind, and they are so forgiving. Uh, I look at Nelson Mandela, who forgave his captors and uh, even wore the jersey uh, of of the uh, all-white team to show that we're now one country. And uh, I wish we could do that here. Uh, I, I do understand, and I believe there is racism in America. Uh, I grew up in North Florida, and I remember the separate water fountains and the separate restrooms. And um, I, I, I also attended the first or second integrated school in the state of Florida. Um, I shared in a, another forum that uh, when I was 15, our star basketball player was not allowed to stay in the hotel with us because uh, that hotel did not accept blacks. And I remember going home as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and telling my parents, that's not right. Now, I didn't go to Africa as a missionary because of that. God called us to go there. We thought we would go to China because the city I pastored in Los Angeles was 95% Chinese. But God led us to Africa, and it's been was my joy to be there. And I would say that the finest believers in the world are, are Africans living in North Africa, the Muslim part there. Now, critical race theory um, does view things by under the lens of race. I have said that race is not a biblical word. Uh, you can't find that in the New Testament. Uh, it, ethnos is the biblical term. And so, really, there's only one race. I'm not the first to say this, the human race. There's only, according to God, two divisions among mankind, and that is Jews and Gentiles. And all ethnicities, except for Jews, are thrown into this one group called Gentiles. And all of us have been grafted in to the Jews, or drafted into spiritual Israel. Now, as a missiologist, uh, we are now dividing our world into people groups. There's like, I don't know, 6,000 different people groups. So you could say that there or perhaps are 6,500 critical race theories out there. I think our job is to acknowledge that there's always going to be secular worldviews we don't agree with. And just as the theory of relativity is still with us, the secular world takes the theory of evolution as fact, and we have to deal with it in our in our secular schools and teach our children that's not true. And the same thing with critical race theory. It's a theory that overemphasizes the differences uh, of the physical instead of uh, what brings us together as the spiritual. But I think when we discuss critical race theory, that we have to be very sensitive that our African-American brothers realize that we're on their team with them. Uh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I mean, there, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion about 
what it means. And uh, I've, I've heard different definitions and heard it used in different ways and still seems to be quite a, a significant area of division amongst uh, Southern Baptists. Um, and I mean, as you think about um, discussions like that related to that, there's a whole host of other issues that can be easily um, so that can divide over easily. Just in general, do you have an approach that you think would be helpful, potentially a theological triage, but how to help us disagree? Maybe not less. We're going to have disagreements, but disagree better. Oh, so. Yeah, as far as the triage, so the the Twitter world, of course, Twitter is kind of hard to follow because if you're not following someone, you don't see what they say. And then sometimes when you speak, people aren't following you, so they don't know what you say. So sometimes we're just catching uh, bits of other people's uh, t- Twitter threads, and we're trying to. Re- and, you, and you would think that everybody's mad on Twitter, but then as I've done these interviews, I found that uh, a lot of people don't listen to the interviews, don't read the interviews. And are all hearing this for the first time. So I'm assuming some of the audience here probably isn't that familiar with some of the interviews that Tom, Bart, and I have given. Um, so to answer your question, I, I, I guess um, I have always been a um, someone that would like to get various viewpoints together, find a way to find a common ground. And I think that um, past SBC presidents have done that. One of the powers of the SBC president, he's, he is able to uh, assemble a task force or working group. Um, back in 1986, my nominator, Wade Akins, spoke in front of the SBC and gave a report for the Peace Committee. <laughs> so the Peace Committee was formed because People were saying on one side, there's no theological problems in the Southern Baptist Convention. Others were saying there are a lot of problems in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so the president of the SBC, I don't remember which one it was, uh, appointed a peace committee. And so Wade Akins, my nominator, gave the IMB testimony before the peace committee gave their report in 1986. Probably not that many people around that heard that. Uh, we were on the mission field, or we would have heard it. Uh, but I think that the SPC president can um, work with the denomination and, and try to, if we're at a place where some people feel we're in an impasse, uh, he could bring the denomination together uh, in, in, in a way, something like that. That's great. One of the things that uh, there's been a growing uh, uh, emphasis on is just increasing the diversity of backgrounds on the committees to include more uh, women and uh, underrepresented uh, Southern Baptist uh, groups. Would uh, you have any thoughts on that? You can continue that trend if you became president. Um, um, yeah. What what uh, what are your thoughts on that? So um, my wife was a 1989 Jerry Vines appointee to the Committee on Committees from Arizona. We were pastoring back in the States two years 
And so she was an appointee. We've always had a good number of women on the International Mission Board. Um, I, because of my background in living in California and also living in Nevada, uh, Alaska, Arizona, uh, I know lots of people from all different ethnic backgrounds. And so I would love to continue uh, appointing people from diverse backgrounds. I, I do want to appoint the best people, though. And um, I, I think that we want to appoint people that can serve well. Some of our best appointees, of course, are lay people because lay people do make sure that we're uh, paying our bills and doing it the right way. Yeah. And uh, our ladies, um, so sometimes it's hard to get lay people to serve because of people having careers. And so it's not, it's not always easy to do. And when you're dealing with all of these states, and uh, I'm sure the previous presidents have found, it's sort of like putting together the baseball schedule uh, to try to get enough people uh, from different states. And and it has been a requirement, um, at least with the Committee on Committees, and I think Committee on Nomination, you have to have one, one person that's a layperson mm-hmm. as well as a ministry person. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that's, that's always a good idea to have, have good lay people. One of the questions we've been asking uh, uh, the other candidates is uh, if you were made the Southern Baptist Convention Pope and not just president, what is one thing you would immediately change about our convention as a whole and one thing you would change about the annual meeting? Well, I think the first one, I, I, I would like to see the um, the meeting extended back to the three days instead of the two because. Um, I think when you try to do business for two straight days, people just get tired. I liked having that Wednesday afternoon off. And you can go to your um, seminary luncheons, but then it was off, and then you came back Wednesday night. Um, I I think that that was good because I think some of it, some of the tension at the SBC is we're trying to do everything but it, it, it seems to me that we, we schedule one of the preaching um, didn't use at eight o'clock in the morning. So we're trying to get all this stuff done from 8 a.m. Tuesday to 4 p.m. Um, Wednesday. And I just think it's it's kind of hard to do. Uh, I'm glad we don't have a pope uh, with the <laughs> SBC. As I say, the SBC president has no pay, no power. He does have. The influence he can uh, appoint the committee on committees, which in turn appoints the committee on nominations. And, but I guess I hope that we could return. I would like to see the joy of the SBC return. And that is, my wife used to say, the great thing about the SBC is that you still see, um, men and women walking around holding hands and you, you just see normal looking people and you just don't see that much out in society. 
And so I just wish we could come to the Southern Baptist Convention and be there to uh, enjoy fellowship and just revel in the fact that we're the largest mission sending agency in the world and we're sending out our missionaries uh, all over the world and here in North America. Well, Dr. Hadaway, we sure appreciate your service uh, over the years and your time uh, with us today and praying for you and SBC as we approach uh, the convention and uh, look forward to seeing you in Anaheim. And I'm uh, just grateful for the listeners. want to remind our Baptist 21 listeners that are going to be at the Southern Baptist Convention that this year uh, the Southern Baptist uh, event will not be on the Tuesday lunch. It'll be Tuesday morning. Um, before any of the business starts, looking forward to the panel that we'll have there. You can find out more information about that at Baptist21.com. And I'm uh, just grateful for you listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, Baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, babbis21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.